Bible with me in Matthew 25. I'm trying to think and say, Lord, you better show me what to do today. <laughs> and uh, I'm not wanting to do some big sell for missions. I just think that God provides if we will just listen. But what I do want is I want to give you a context for your giving today. And I want you to think very carefully today in this message that I share with you. And uh, let's have a look in, uh, we're going to have a look first of all in Matthew chapter 25. We'll we'll just stay focused there. Now it's a parable that you know quite a bit about, but I want to just shift your thinking around it a little bit and renew for some who may not have thought at all, and for many who aren't thinking at all, and for those who once thought and stopped thinking right, (laughs) including me. (laughs) This is one of the great parables. Jesus' ministry when he came on the earth, focused on proclaiming the message of the kingdom of God. We tend to think in Jesus in in terms only of dying on the cross and rising from the dead. When we do that, we should not devalue that, but that's central to something else. And the something else is his message of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven coming into the earth as it always was intended to. So Jesus began by preaching There is a kingdom in heaven available to come into the earth now. And everywhere Jesus went, he both preached and demonstrated what that kingdom looks like. The the power of God doing wonderful miracles, creative miracles, restoring, healing, delivering, setting people free, opening people's eyes. This is the gospel, the good news he came to proclaim. It's got nothing about giving your heart to Jesus and then just boxing on with life and going to heaven. It was never about that. The kingdom of heaven is about the heaven coming to earth, coming to earth now, but also there's a coming day when Jesus will return and his kingdom will come in power. His kingdom will come with great demonstration. The Bible speaks very clearly of a 1,000 year reign when Christ will physically return to the earth, will reign over the earth and all nations, all systems, all kingdoms will yield to him and his people. That is the great hope we have. That is the great message we have. So many Christians get caught up in trivia and forget that Jesus called us to be focused on one thing and that is that which is eternal, not something that doesn't last. And so in Matthew chapter 24, 25, in Matthew 24, they begin to ask him, when are you coming? When will you return? When will the kingdom be established? Now, kingdom is a sphere realm, Doug was speaking about last week, where a king rules and what he wants done gets done. We live in a democracy. What you were born into is not a democracy. I'm sorry. You can't bring democratic thinking into the kingdom. You have to shift. You have to change. We'll share some things later in the year just around this area. Bring the volume down a little bit, please. So, we're born into a kingdom. We're translated into a kingdom. Now, God wants us to understand a number of things. So, Jesus gave three parables. The first parable he gave was about servants. And it was about servants and how they treated other people in the house. In other words, God is vitally interested in how you treat other Christians and how you respond to his people, the church, his house. The second one... Uh, is about the virgins and the oil. And that speaks of intimacy and the need for continued intimacy with God because particularly in the last days, there will be challenging times. There is a need to have the oil, the anointing of His presence upon our lives. And then the third one uh, is also a parable of servants and it talks about 
some of the difficulties there will be and what we're required to do. And I want to focus on that third parable today, the parable of the talents. So we just give an overview of it quickly and then I'm going to focus on two or three aspects of it and particularly one that's relevant to what we're asking you to do today which is partner in the gospel going to another nation. Now, let's have a look. It says, verse 14, Now the kingdom of heaven is like a man travelling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability. And he had received the five, went and traded with them and made another five. He had received two, he gained two also. He received one, went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a time the Lord of those servants came and settle with them. And so the one that had received five came and bought the other talents and said, Lord, you gave me five. I have gained five more, 100%, 100 fold. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter the joy of your Lord. And he had received two, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. I have gained two more. The Lord said, same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter the joy of of the Lord. And then there was one who received one talent, came and said, Oh, ho, 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 I was a bit afraid. You're a hard man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered. I was afraid. So I went and I hid your talent in the ground. And look, I've got it. It's still here. We'll just stop just at that point there. So, first of all, uh, the parable is a story with a message in it. That's what a parable means. This is a parable of the kingdom of heaven. So, it's a story about Jesus' kingdom. And it is both practical in that it tells us exactly what he expects of us today and it's also prophetic in that the parable spans over 2,000 years of history. So one part of this parable has been already fulfilled. There's one part yet to be fulfilled. And you and I are in the in-between bit. And so the parable spans more than 2,000 years of history. It spans from when Jesus left. Notice it says, there's a king. Kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, called his servants and delivered his goods to them. So the king traveling to a far country is Jesus Christ. The far country is heaven. He has ascended and gone into heaven to receive a kingdom. The servants of the king, make no mistake, you cannot be a servant of God unless you're born again. These are born again believers who come to church or don't come to church but it refers to the believers, the followers of Christ. We're called to be followers of this king and advance his kingdom. And so so there's the servants. And notice he distributes the talents. And so every one of them receives something, but they didn't all get the same. Now you think, well, that's not fair. Why didn't everyone get the same? Well, that's the way God works. It says he gave them different talents according to their capacities. So if we look around us, we all have different capacities. You say, well, I don't have much. You know where I come from and no education. We've got abused by my father. Listen, stop making excuses. You have what you have. You have potential. And if your capacity has been diminished, it doesn't mean you can't increase your capacity. And so God gives to all of us capacities. He gives us mental capacities. Well, I was a dummy the class. That doesn't mean you haven't got capacity to do something. Because I've observed over years that the smartest in the class aren't necessarily the most successful in life. And often the ones who really struggle, didn't do so good for a variety of reasons, really become great achievers in life. Stop making excuses. See, God has given us mental capacities, emotional capacity. He's given us financial capacity. He's also given us giftings of various kinds. God has distributed to his servants. 
What he is looking for is that you and I would trade. To trade means that we uh, give up something in order that we can uh, receive something. So it's trading. I give you this, you give me that. So what God is saying in this is God expects his servants to be active, proactive, advancing his kingdom. To trade means you are active with what you have with the king's interest in your heart to advance his kingdom. This is a non-negotiable. And you can't, it, whether you agree with it or doesn't agree with it, it's not really relevant at all because Jesus is describing this is the kingdom. This is what it's like. So all of us, once we're born into the kingdom of God, the issue of whether we're saved or not and eternal punishment is over for us, what is in view now is reward in the coming kingdom. Eternal reward, millennial reward. It would take me some time to explain what all of that would mean for you or not mean for you. But anyway, here's the deal. The king eventually comes and settles accounts. Say the word, settle accounts. It doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? Well, it depends on the attitude you have, you see. He comes to settle accounts so he can reward people. He's, when, when Jesus comes, he is coming to reward faithful servants. But to do that, he has to evaluate your service. Have a think about this. Your service for Christ, building his house, advancing his kingdom, will be evaluated. That's a sobering, sobering thought. Now, why has God wanted to evaluate it? Very simple, because he has something greater in mind for you and I. He has something very big in mind for you and I. So let's have a look what happens in the end. And, and see, I want to bring out several points just related to this. First thing, God invites every person in his kingdom to be great. He invites you to be a great person. And not only a great person, a successful person. God did not call you to failure and he did not call you to be insignificant. He called you to be great. Why don't you tell someone next to you, I want to be great. See how hard that was to say? You kind of felt something weird about saying, I want to be great. But you know in your heart you do. The problem is we get caught with all kinds of hang-ups and religious stuff. The desire to be great was built by God into you. He designed you for greatness, for eternal significance. He invited you to become great with your life. And there's no one responsible for how great you become but you. Think about that. Well, I think it's the church, it's the pastor, it's my father, it's this and that. Listen, stop all of that. In the, here's something to understand. In the realm of the coming kingdom, there are different ranks or levels of greatness. That's a sobering thought. In heaven, there are ranks and levels of greatness. The thing is, once you're there, you can't change your level. Now is when you determine your level of greatness in the kingdom. Think about that. And now, in, of course, I give you scripture for that. Verse Matthew 20, verse 26, it says, Whoever desires to be great, let him be a servant. You want to be the first. Whoever desires to be top dog. Who desires to be top dog? See, now, you see, see, there's a few there. So you see how the struggle that goes on? Because secretly we want to be, but we would never say it. But Jesus put the desire in you to be great. And not only to be great, to stand out, to be right at the top. Believe me, he's built it into you. There's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just how you get there is the crucial issue. It's how you get there. It's how 
You get to be great. Because in the world it's got its own view of what greatness looks like. Greatness means all the people admire me. I have a great position. I got a lot of money and property. That is not so in the kingdom of heaven. So you can have all those things and still not be great. Well, that's a good leveler, isn't it? Isn't that exciting if you come from Flexme? Hey, that's exciting news, eh? Oh, that's good news. It doesn't really matter how much property, how much uh, wealth, how much whatever you got. We've all got an equal start in the kingdom. And the greatness, no one determines it but you. God's just looking to see how great greatness was built into you. Oh, become great. Become a servant of God. See, so there it is. Who do ever desires? That, that word there is who resolves, makes a determination, sets their mind they're going to be great. That's a great thing. Imagine if we decided, every one of us in the church, I will be great. I will be the best in my field. I will be top businessman. I will be top plumber, top builder, top teacher, whatever it is, I'll be at the top. That's a great thing to determine. Much better than determining to be at the bottom, isn't it? Eh? There it is, isn't it? Uh, the second thing is, God gives every person an assignment. You have to understand, God gives you an assignment. To each of the servants was given a talent. Everyone has an assignment. Here's what you need to understand. Your assignment is different to mine. I have my assignment. My challenge is to discover it, do all the work I need to prepare myself to fulfill it, and then to persevere in fulfilling it. It's a challenge because everyone else got another plan for your life. It's a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge. All right, so God's got an assignment for you. And here's the thing, that the assignment he has for you is different. Not God's not going to call everyone to go to China or Pakistan or India or any kind of place. God doesn't call everyone there. God calls you here for your assignment. Hey, and here's the thing, that God plans he will reward you for fulfilling your assignment. You don't have to go anywhere to be rewarded by God. you just got to find and fulfill your assignment. One of the most important things after you've come to Christ is to know what he called you to do. Get busy with your life doing it instead of minding someone else's business. People who are busy on their assignment mind their business. Paul says, study. Mind your business. <laughs> so you don't mind anyone else's business. So God gives every person's assignment for four, and he'll reward us. Here's another thing is, for most believers, I reckon the God-given assignment is small. Because I reckon there's more one-talent people than five-talent people. How many would agree with that? A lot more one-talent people. So I think the majority of people, the assignment isn't very big. And because it's not big, we despise it and overlook that the little thing you're called to do in your life actually is your assignment and is important. Very easy for a mother who's got three or four children, they're all under the age of six, and there she is, and they're all boys, and they're everywhere, for her to feel, what's happened to my life? But she's got her assignment, and it primarily is around her family and shaping the values and the attitudes of the next generation, bringing them sensitive to God. So she has her assignment. Can she do other things? Yes, she can. There's other things she can do. But her assignment should not be despised because that's the assignment God has given. So none of us should despise the assignment God gave because it's small. If you despise it because it's small, you are overlooking the thing God is wanting to use to make you great. Oh, well, I, I couldn't do that. It's beneath me to do that. Really? What a small person. I couldn't clean the floors. They're beneath me. I'm, I'm beyond that now. I've moved on. No, you haven't. Not in the kingdom, you haven't. 
kingdom's got serving all the way right to the top or the bottom, whichever way you look. It's an upside-down pyramid in the kingdom. The biggest one serves the most people. How many people are you serving? How great is you serving? That's how it works. See? So, <laughs> so there we go. So most it's... And I, I think it's one talent. Notice this is, talks about there. He says to one, he gave uh, one talent. And then uh, in the, when it comes to talking about their service, he said, you've been faithful over a few things. So uh, we need to redefine success. See, God doesn't ask you to do what you can't do or, or have what you don't have. He just says, what I've given you, I want you to make it stand up and salute. I want it to stand up and stand out. I want what you put your hand to stand up and stand out because you have put your heart into making it great and demonstrated through serving your greatness. There's no little jobs in the kingdom, just little people. And there's also great people. And you notice with the great people, incredibly sacrificial and serving. So success then in in God's eyes is not how great the world thinks you are. Success in God's eyes is whether you fulfilled your assignment and how you fulfilled your assignment. So you can't tell in this room who's a success. We think, oh, Doug and Glenn, a man, great success. Who knows? I can't tell. I can't tell. Only God can tell that. I've got a good idea, though, because I know it's been a dream for years and was planted there for years, and they worked and labored to get to the dream. So they're in the heart of God. It's a great thing they're doing. But not everyone does that. So here's the thing. God plans to reward all believers for his service. Now, this is his heart. Now, when he calls you to account, it's because he wants to give you something. So imagine this. Imagine how generous God could be. Think how generous God could be. He wants to actually abound in generosity to you. And so what he's looking for is, how did you serve in my kingdom? Did you advance my kingdom? Were any people reached? Any lives touched? Any hearts softened? Was anyone impacted? Did you do anything that caused my kingdom to advance and to grow? Anything at all? What did you do? How did you do it? That's what he's looking for. He's busting to reward you because he's designed you for greatness. Okay, you notice here, it says in verse 21, uh, the Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, you are faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. Notice, few things. So we only really have little assignments. But you know, together as a church, this is one thing about the body of Christ. This is why we need to love the church and walk and work together because together we can do so much more. You have a look what we've been able to do together in the last year or two. You think of missionaries sent out to other nations. We have touched thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, but you couldn't do it. But now you've got a share in it. That's the thing to say. See, I've got my assignment to fulfill, but that doesn't limit my bigness because I can actually unite with other believers in the house and I can actually be part of something much bigger. That's the thing to realize. Otherwise, you think, ah, oh, it's Doug and Kalen. They come here. They go back to China. They're doing, their, they're doing their ministry. I'm not called to that. You have missed it completely. It's actually the overflow of the house of Bay City into nations. What Doug is doing is an extension of what I've been doing for years, more than 20 years, going to Chinese people. Bill, more than 20 years to Chinese people. Now they're there and they're planted with the Chinese people. See? 
This is not just something that someone thought up. This is God's assignment for the house. See? So there's an assignment for individuals, but when we come together, there are assignments for the house. And it can only be fulfilled if we work together to build the house and partner together and stand together. That's why we need to build the local church, become strong. The idea? Many things. Notice he said, he said, be faithful over a few things. Notice few things, many things. Many things. Say that. Many things. Many things. Many things. God's got many things. Many things. Now that's exciting. Many, 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 many things. You want to start dreaming and searching the Bible. What are the many things God is preparing to give me? Because that's what I'm after. Many things. So what it means is when the Lord comes or when you go to be with him, there's an immediate assessment so you can go, you'll leave behind your few things and what you will have will be many things. So you could look at your assignment, whatever it is now, whatever you're doing with your life, whatever God's given you to do, just call it little you think because what God has ahead for you are many things he's going to get you busy don't sort of go up to heaven and play a harp we're going to be busy advancing his kingdom on the earth that's the reality isn't it eh? see notice what he says in, in verse uh, 21 he says I will make you ruler I will appoint you to a significant position in my millennial kingdom where you have leadership and responsibility over much think about that Think about that. That grips me. That's what fired me up. When I got a view of the kingdom years ago, it got hold of my heart. It shifted my life. It's helped me sustain my passion all these years. Because however it works out on the earth, it's what God's watching me do is what counts. Everyone watches how much you can do. God looks at the way you're doing it and whether what you're doing is what he wants you to do. It's not too important what other people think about that. What's important is what God thinks about it because in the end, he's the one you want to have say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, it won't matter what acclaim, it won't matter what wonderful things people say at your funeral, you won't hear any of them. And they are inclined to pump you up a bit after you die and say wonderful things. You know, some people sit there and is that the same person? I don't remember him being like that. A bit cranky really. But... What will count is not what the people are saying at your funeral. What will count is what God is saying when you appear before him or when he comes, what he says to you then. Very, very important. Have a think about this. And what he says is now, now that the dilemma is a lot of people, let me just say this as a pastor, I have observed believers squandering their precious life and disqualifying themselves from their eternal rewards and it is a great grief. Sometimes all it took was an offence or a couple of offences and they were so small they couldn't get into grace and get over it. And it is tragic. It's one of the greatest tragedies in the church is people not understanding the greatness of the kingdom we're called to and what it means for us eternally and you get caught up and stumbled by trivial. In the light of eternity, whatever you're facing now is trivial. Keep eternity in mind. Keep the coming kingdom in mind. Just believe me, how you walk, how you treat the house, how you treat people, how you love God, and how you walk with him is crucial in the evaluation. I can't go into all how God evaluates today, but that's just enough to give you. So here, notice what it says, enter the joy. So here's one of the things it tells you. There is a tremendous joy you come into. People are looking for happiness and peace and joy and whatever, but there's something 
God will bring us into it. You know what it is? It's being incredibly close to Jesus and being part of what he's doing, changing this world. That's what it'll be. I'd rather be close to him than just got inside heaven with a smell of smoke on me. Come on. I encourage you to read your Bible and find in heaven there are realms and levels of access to God. You're choosing them today. You're choosing them today. Jesus, you know, disciples come up and said, oh, you know, they got their mummy to come and say, come on, put this one on the left and this one on the right. He said, no way, you've got to earn this. You've got to earn the privilege of where you are in the kingdom. It's by how you live your life today. So enter the joy. So the big thing is, is, is sometimes it's very difficult serving God. Sometimes it's difficult advancing his kingdom. So he calls us to focus. Now, I, I won't go into developers because I want to just finish now. But I want to, this, let me just show you what he says. What he, notice what he says. He says, well done, good Faithful servant. So, now has three things to have a think about what, he calls, what God calls you to focus on. Number one, doing good works. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost. Oh, great anointing. Cool. He went around doing good. That meant advancing the kingdom by loving God passionately and keeping intimate with him and by loving people and being generous and kind to them. That's what that is. Want to be a good servant? Be passionate for God. Build your life with Him. And then love and be kind to people. Build relationships with people. The second thing he knows is servant. He said faithful servant. In other words, being faithful means you're diligent to fulfill your assignment. You've just got to complete what God gave you, whatever it is. Whatsoever you do, Colossians 3.23, do heartily, not under men. If you do things when people are looking at you, you're a man pleaser and a position seeker. Clear as that. If you do things well when no one is looking but God, you are a God pleaser. And the Bible tells us, Colossians 3.23, Colossians, uh, in Colossians 3.23, servants, it says, whatever you do, that's everything you do, even the dishes. Whoa, everything you do. Whatever you do, do it heartily or with great diligence from a heart that's willing and do it unto the Lord as your act of worship, not to men. Because when you do it to people, you become a pleaser. So you work hard when the boss is there, not hard when he's not there. You're one thing when he's there, another thing when he's not there. Church is full of people like that. Nice to your face, something else behind. That's what he's talking about here. Being authentic, because all the time God is looking. Get the idea? See, well done, good and faithful and servant. Servant means you've got to, I have to develop that in detail another time. But being faithful as a servant means you just develop a heart. A servant heart is this. I'm here, my primary purpose here is to please God and do what he wants me to do, do what he's called me to do. And that means I become teachable, I learn to serve, I develop the gifts I have. And I, <clears throat> basically, it's all about how I relate to people. It really fundamentally walks out how you relate to people do you show kindness, generosity, and help people get ahead, or do you use people to get ahead? Using people to get ahead is the way of the world. It's called manipulation, self-promotion. So people are nice to you till they got what they can get, then they drop you. It's someone else they're after now. This is not a serving spirit. This is a self-centered spirit. So see the attitude of the kingdom? It's all very clear in here, isn't it? This is for all of us. This is stuff... This is a little deeper stuff than just encouraging you to, you know, to, to sing louder or anything like that. This is about your eternal destiny. Now, get this. 
You notice now that one gained five, the other gained two, but both got the same reward. So it didn't really matter externally what they produced. It was actually how productive they were according to their capacity. Now I want you to see what happened to the one talent. Remember we said the majority of people mostly are one talent people. Notice this. He did not have a heart for the king's business. That's the core problem. His heart was only for himself, to serve himself. So he didn't have a serving spirit. So what he did was, he said, well, I'll just hold on to what I've got. So let me just put it in a simple term. That's a person who stays a Christian for all their life. They may not go to church too often, may not do too much, but they're a Christian. They've been hung on. But listen, this is not, this is not what God called. You know what Jesus said to him? He, he says, actually, you're lazy. You're not applying yourself. There's a huge amount at stake for you. He, he said, uh, you're lazy. You have a negative influence on other people. And so that's what he said. He said, it would have been better if you didn't know what to do with the little you had, that you found someone who knew how to trade and be productive and partnered with them in order to get great return. That's the principle of it. You can read the words in it, but the principle of it is this. If you think you don't have very much to give, first thing is don't despise it. Value it. It is what you have and work with it to be productive. Secondly, consider partnering with someone with greater capacity and in partnering with them, what you give will multiply in its effectiveness. Notice what the master does. He takes the talent the one talent of the one, and then he gives them to the one that had the five, or the ten now, of course. Now, that seems extraordinary. Socialist government would never allow that. We want to take the one who's got ten, we want to strip the ten away, and give it to the one who's got none. We never stop to think that the one who's got none, often there's a reason. Now, here's, what, here's, the, here's the thinking in this. It doesn't, seem, it doesn't seem fair, but it is just. What God is saying is this. This person has demonstrated through their faithfulness their capacity to be productive. Of course I'll give it to someone who can be productive with it. That's what I'm wanting. I don't want to give it to a person who is going to just fail to use it and bury it. I want the kingdom to advance. This is one of the... I won't go there, we'll just stop there. <laughs> We wonder why sometimes the church in the West is not progressing. We have much and spend on ourselves and do so little. Sometimes we think, well, we should be doing more locally and all this stuff overseas. Listen, I have a, God has a vision for the world. It's a global vision. Peoples of all nations. In fact, in case we didn't get the message, they're starting to come under Hastings now. They're all over the place from all nations. And this is the heart of God. I saw in Revelation that there's a whole heap of people standing around the throne from every tribe and every nation. How do they get there? Someone gave him the gospel. And if you can't do it yourself, partner with someone who can. And what that refers to is we can be part of a team and together as a team can outreach and advance the kingdom better than perhaps individuals could, but each one individually can do something. We can be part of a church and we can have a much greater influence because of what we've done. Think about this. If we had just taken everything everyone's got and left you all to just do what you were doing, 
we would have had very little productivity. But together, we've been able to not only touch thousands upon thousands of people, but it's ongoing all the time. So, you can see these things. Don't despise what you have. Take what you have and listen to God where and how to apply it. For example, I'll just do that right now. I was just in worship before and just felt the Lord just show me a couple of things. So I checked out my wallet. Usually I don't carry much running around with me. I've got some money with me today, not much of course, and it'll do what it normally does, <laughs> which is this. So here it is. So I've got two lots of $20 notes. And while I was standing there thinking, thinking well, Lord, what do I do with them? And he just said very simply, I want you to bless someone in the house. And he just put the person, I just saw them just like that. So I don't need to argue or think about whether that person has a need or not. But what I want to do is that I want to tell the person that this $20 note comes with the heart of God and his love for you. He loves you and values you. And this is just a little thing that he could do to show how much he loves you. So I wonder, um, if we've got Brett. Where's Brett? Brett, you're somewhere near. Quickly, can I run down here? This is who I'd like you to take. Just here we go. Run down the end there, right down the end. Yeah, end of the room, that's right. Then make a left turn. That's right. Yeah, left turn. Yeah, you're right there. Right to the very end of that last row. There it is, Janice. There you go. And now Janice is crying. Why did she cry just over that? Because you see, it wasn't just money. More than that, it was the heart of God with the money touched someone in the house. I learned to do this. Okay? And then the other thing I, I saw very clearly is I want to sow it into Doug and Clinda because I know what you do will multiply and have a huge harvest. I want to give it to you now to just be a part of what you do. So I wish I'd thought of it earlier, then I'd have had more in my pocket, but there it is, that's all I have. So, <laughs> I want you to stop and think right now. Let's just close our eyes and open our hearts. Every one of us is a servant of the Lord. Every one of us, God calls us to be great. He calls us to have a life that's significant. We're not great or significant according to how the world thinks because of our external performance or all the things we have around us. We're great because we discover the heart of God and please Him. We're great when we serve. So that God intends to reward us. So we need to keep eternity in mind every day of our life. His rewards are great. It's over many things. The things, whatever you possess right now, are few compared to the many things God has for you. The standing status position you have now is insignificant compared to Jesus saying, I will make you a ruler over many things. The key is to serve. So I want to just challenge you in a couple of ways. And I feel challenged too. I, I'm preaching to me today. I feel a fresh hunger for his kingdom. My key verse has been the same with joy. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Things everyone else worries about stresses over will just attract to you. You'll have it without the stress. 
some in this life, but mostly in eternity. So here's the thing. How would you serve? What are you doing to make Jesus known and advance his kingdom? Have you despised the service that God's called you to? It's insignificant. Why don't you just repent? It's not insignificant. It's service to him. Even if you were out the back doing cleaning up or out the car park attending people, we're serving the king. And it's an honor and a privilege. And he's watching because what I'm doing now is little much is at stake so how's your serve you need to repent Jesus I've got so self preoccupied and so self centered I need to repent and embrace serving you embrace your love for me and embrace the destiny for me I wonder if some of you if you haven't really discovered what God has assigned you and called you to do that would be the next step you need some help ask the Lord start seeking him God what assignments do you have for me for my life or even for this day or week or this month what is it you want me to do in the third area you can say what about Bay City what about the local church am I gladly seeing I'm a part of a body and embracing what it is to be a part building relationships and finding a place to serve or am I like the servants in the first parable Delaying the Lord's coming and think it doesn't really matter how I treat people, it's not going to have any impact. It does. And I wonder as we're just thinking, knowing this is our missions month and we're going to be partnering in China and partnering in Pakistan. What is God saying for you to do? Today, we've got an opportunity to give regular support to Doug Kalinda or one-off offering. We've got an opportunity tonight to make an offering to the work of ministry to people that are just, well, what can you say? Trafficked by evil people. God loves all of them and is willing to reach them. What will you do? Today as a church, we're standing to see the gospel advance into China laborers trained so will you be part of that how much will you be part of it God speaks to you you know I just gave $20 but if I gave that every week that would be $1,000 in a year 40 people did that that would finance missionaries over there for the year 40 people that's all Well, over a year, that's $250. Now, if four people do that, that's 1000 160 people do that, we've paid the wage. We've provided for a family to serve in China. It's not hard. You break it down. $5 a week, that's just a cup of coffee, burger. I have a chance to sow into the kingdom. Lord, show me what to do. Whatever God speaks to you, if he speaks to you today, that's fine. Husband and wives, if you want to go and stop and 
pray together and talk. Just That's fine. If you've uh, made the decision, made up your mind, you just fill the form in and just take it up to the door as you leave. Otherwise, you can come back. We'll have another form if you get and lose it or whatever. Ready next week. Next week, we'll start to share about another field we're working in and start to sow for, for, for partnership in that as well. But I just think those children three years old, my God, it's dreadful. Twelve years old, sold by family. Breaks my heart. I think of young people coming in for training, being trained to be the answer to China's needs. No matter how much Kalinda does, she can never meet the whole thing. It's too big. We need the locals to change their nation. We need to sow into the training of people. When we sow to Doug and Kalinda, we're sowing to them together and their family being there. Doing the work of training and the work of rescuing. It's an interesting thing. I was reading a scripture that finished with a scripture. Micah says he has shown the old man what is good so God defines what is good <laughs> in case you were wondering what good is good sir he's shown the old man what is good and what does the Lord require of thee do justly love mercy and just walk humbly with God it's not complicated it's very practical so you make that decision before we go I'd love you just to pray for someone next to you that's someone who's very special to the Lord who knows, you may have a prophetic word, a word of encouragement. Just even blessing that would be great. We'll just end. I don't want to end the meeting hyped up. We'll just end up. We're in the presence of the Almighty. There's a sobering element of being aware of kingdom reality. So we have a great day. Bring someone back tonight. Let's have a great time tonight. And uh, the gospel will be preached, chance to give. It'll be fantastic. Father, I just pray for Bay City. Pray for this great house, Lord, that the house will become even greater, that the days ahead will be our best days, that we will not decrease but, and diminish, but we will increase and grow and enlarge, and that your grace would be upon us in every part of the ministry. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Thank you, musicians.